During the broadcast that we have been presenting in these last three weeks, we've been trying to help you to be in a place where you can evaluate the kind of counseling that you might be receiving, even now, as you're counseling with someone, or the kind of counseling that some loved one whom you sent to a counselor might be receiving. This is very important because not all counseling is the same. And you know, you might think that every pastor, for example, who counsels you would counsel you in the same way. That is certainly not true. Nor would every counselor who is out there called a psychiatrist or a psychologist counsel you in the same fashion. Recently, in the Saturday Review of Literature, there was a listing of about 130 different viewpoints on counseling. So I think you can see that there are many, many different ways in which people see the problems of others, see the solutions to those problems based on the assumptions that they hold. We're trying to operate on the assumption that the scriptures give us the answers to people's needs and problems. According to 2 Timothy 3:16 and 17, the scriptures are God-breathed and therefore useful for teaching, for convicting people of sin, for correcting them of their wrong ways of living, and for training them in righteous ways so that they will in the days to come be able to follow God's will without falling into those same sins again. And these scriptures are given according to 3.17 that the man of God, that is the pastor, may be adequate, equipped by the scriptures for every good work to which God has called him. Now, if your problem is not a physiological one, an organic one that a physician should be treating, then you ought to be going to a pastor because he is the one whom God has called to this work of counseling as a full-time activity. And he has given to him a book, which is not taught in colleges where psychology is taught, is not taught in places where other viewpoints are emphasized, but indeed the opposite things from the scriptures are taught in those places. And so we're trying to warn you about some of those views and ways that people counsel that might actually lead you further down the path away from God than you are at the moment. Now, we talked about the Freudian viewpoint, and we said that the Freudian viewpoint is that man's problem is poor socialization. He has, through traumatic experiences with individuals and circumstances in life, built up a value system or a superego or a conscience that is too strict according to the counselor, and so the job is to cut that down to size, to allow his more native impulses, his id, as it's called, to exert itself, to flash forth without any kind of strict policeman standing at the door to try to keep him from doing it. That the man's behavior, according to this system, is not responsible behavior is clear because what he has done is to imbibe these many influences of the past into his system unconsciously. And so what he does is operate from an unconscious system uh, and really just rationalizes consciously what he has been anxious to do in an unconscious fashion. And so man becomes something less than a real man, responsible man, a moral man before God. The second viewpoint that we looked at earlier was the one in which the environment 
was said to be the significant factor, that a person is trained by setting up contingencies in his environment because he's only an animal and what he needs is the right kind of training, that is the kind of training that will allow him to be controlled by those who have the right ideas. And so the environment becomes the maze which he learns to run by a punishment and reward system that stresses the immediate effects of punishment and the immediate effects of reward. On this system, man is less than a man too. The image of God in man is not recognized, and man is said to be nothing more than an animal to be trained as you would train any other animal. <clears throat> in fact, the only value on this system is the survival of the herd. Now we turn to a third system, perhaps more uh, commonly used today than almost any other. And you may find pastors, too, using some of these systems. Pastors, you see, have been trained in various places in these godless systems, and many of them have bought the idea that they should use them in counseling. And so you need to be wary of a pastor who does not use the word of God, but who leans upon these viewpoints. This system is a system that uh, uses reflection uh, as its method, often called client-centered uh, therapy. And uh, this system, using reflection as its method for changing people, grows out of the assumption not that it is poor socialization or that it, there have been the wrong contingencies set up in the environment and so a person has been trained wrongly, but rather grows out of the assumption that men's problems are simply the result of their failure to live up to their true potential. According to the assumption of this viewpoint, uh, each individual has all of the resources that he needs prepackaged right inside of himself. One of the chief proponents of this view once said that man, down at the core of his being, is sinless, is absolutely, basically core good. And so what we want to do in this system then is to bring out of man, you see, what is already within him, all the solutions to a person's problems, all of his difficulties, uh, and all of their answers to, all the answers to them. All of these things can be dealt with by just somehow or other evoking or bringing out of the man his own solutions that are already down deep inside of him. He doesn't need the scriptures from the outside. He doesn't need advice. He doesn't need help. He doesn't need the power of God through the Spirit of God at work in his life from the outside. But he's got everything he needs already inside. He is basically autonomous. And so a method of reflecting his own ideas back to him, that's what we mean by reflection, the counselor sits there using this method of reflecting his own ideas back to him in order to help him understand more clearly what he himself thinks about his problems so that eventually he may evoke or dredge up from within the potential for answering his problems which has been prepackaged into him. So you can see with this viewpoint that man has all of the resources in himself, that the idea of confronting someone with the word of God, with saying that this person needs to be redeemed and needs to be regenerated and redeemed by the Spirit of God, and that then he needs the sanctifying influence of that Spirit working through his word not only to inform him but to empower him to do what that word says. This whole viewpoint, you can see, uh, this Christian viewpoint has no place in the idea of reflection. When a counselor starts saying to you, I see, uh, you seem to be torn two ways, or I see, 
such and such takes place, or you must feel that so and so is true. When a counselor starts repeating your own words back to you, this is this reflecting process about which we're talking, and he never gives you a straight answer to a question. Even though you press him, what should I do? Should I go this way or that way? And he'll say, I see that you have two ways that you need to go. If he never will give you a straight answer to a question, you're involved. You're in one of these reflection contexts, and you need to get out as fast as you can move. You need to tell that counselor, whoever he is, that you're interested in answers from the Word of God, and if he's unwilling to give them, that you're unwilling to continue the counseling. And so I want to stress urgently to you not to allow someone just to go on repeating your own language back to you. What you need is the paraclete of the Holy Spirit, not the parakeet of some counselor who simply repeats words that you already have spoken. Lord, help us to discern this problem and to meet it. For Christ's sake, amen.